0: Just Thinking, with hosts Daryl Harrison and Virgil Walker, bringing you week-to-week cultural apologetics, as well as social issues from a biblical worldview. This is Just Thinking. Let's think. You're in for another edition of the Just Thinking podcast, man. Glad to be with my my main man, the guy leading the charge, uh, Mr. Daryl Harrison. How you doing tonight, brother?
1: Hey, what's going on, Omaha? How you doing, bro? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and and for our listeners who who don't realize why I call you Omaha, it's because you're you're based out of Omaha, Nebraska.
0: Absolutely, man. Middle of the country, man. Absolutely. Yeah, so
1: sometimes I call you verse, sometimes I call you wingman, and sometimes yeah. I just, you know, it just hits me, man. So so what's right. going on, Omaha? You good?
0: I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm good. I'm teed up for where we're gonna go tonight, man. A little bit more sober than usual, but uh looking forward nonetheless of having this conversation with you i think it's an important one to have uh i I can't think of anyone i'd 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 rather have it with and have been looking forward uh to the content of kind of where we're going tonight and uh and what's going on my thought would be man uh daryl i'd let you kind of tee up how how this episode uh kind of transpired and 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 what happened to cause us to go this direction
1: yeah i'll be glad to do that Verge, and uh just so our listeners know the topic we're going to discuss tonight uh, was a topic that uh, we not intended to to discuss, Right. to be honest with you. We're doing this episode in the wake of the uh, recent uh, MLK 50 conference, which mm-hmm. was uh, put on by the Ethics and Religious Liberties Commission, mm-hmm. uh, which is headed up by uh, Dr. Russell Moore, uh, mm-hmm. who folks may be familiar with. So the Uh, ERLC held uh, their uh, MLK 50 conference last week Mm -hmm. in commemoration of the 50th anniversary of the assassination of Dr. Martin Luther King. Right. uh, On April 4th, 1968. Mm -hmm. Uh, Out of that conference, which was live streamed uh, over the Internet, uh, we were approached uh, uh, on social media. By you know, we were approached independently, but by several uh people um, asking us if we were going to uh, respond to some of the messaging that was concerning to a lot of people, uh, myself included, and YouTube, urge, uh, absolutely, uh, absolutely. But we were approached by several people, uh, respectfully urging us, and, and I use the word urging lightly because it was probably even a stronger demand than that, yeah to uh, to please uh, speak to this uh, conference and some of the messaging that was uh, coming out of the conference. So as somewhat of a disclaimer, uh, but not a disclaimer in the cautious or sense of a warning or anything like that, we do want to say that uh, apart from the folks who reached out to us, urging us to, to address this topic, you and I had no intention independently of of touching this. No, uh, no. We, we were done with the race issue. In on, fact, on
0: you, in, in fact, you had said you had said that very thing on the previous uh, podcast when we yeah. when we teed that up and began talking, you said, you know what? I think we've done enough on this. We're going to we're going to put this to bed and kind of. Kind of move on, yeah. and um, you know, I, I, I urge you. You know, we, we, we will definitely have to look at it at some point, but n- never, never did I think it would be uh, this early and this right. urgent with regard to what took place during that conference.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right. So that will be episode 22. I literally said that in that episode that mm-hmm. we were done with that issue on this podcast because, and I say that in the context of six of the last seven blog articles that I've written have been on race. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think five of the last six episodes, maybe six of the last seven episodes of the podcast that we've done had touched on race uh, or ethnicity in one to one extent or another. Mm-hmm. Uh, so to be honest with you, I was just a little race drained uh, <laughs> right. be, you know, beca- because you, you don't want to get in a position where you, uh, you come to be recognized as sort of a one topic podcast. Right. You know, this is a theological podcast. This is a worldview podcast. Absolutely. Absolutely. This is a worldview podcast. So, the, as Christians, we apply, as our mission statement says, we apply biblical truth to theological, political, cultural, and social isu- issues in our world. So, mm-hmm. we have a worldview mandate, not just sort of a silo, one subject matter mandate with respect to the mission of this podcast so i just want to put that out there to add to some context for what we're going to discuss tonight Mm -hmm. that you might call this an episode that was that we're doing by popular demand right uh because it was not our intent to to broach the subject but uh our listeners who we take very seriously and and we respect uh reached out to us so we are uh we are going to add some commentary to uh, the volume of uh, the, the, the the high volume of commentary that's already out there uh, mm-hmm. in light of this MLK uh, 50 conference. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're going to try our best to do it with humility, uh, with wisdom and, and in a manner that uh, exalts our Lord and King Jesus yeah. Christ. That's right. Amen. So uh, so, verse, let's go ahead and get started. And, and uh, I think one of the things, <clears throat> excuse me. That came to mind to me uh, in in sort of preparing and praying through this episode tonight and the subject matter that we're going to tackle is that what's getting lost in all this is the language that's being used, Mm. the language that's being used. And I was remembering a book that was published in 2011 by... um, an economics professor. His name is Dr. Walter Williams. I don't know if you're mm. familiar with him. Very familiar. But he's a uh, he's a black conservative. Yeah, black yep. uh, conservative economics professor at George Mason University. And in 2011, he published a book entitled "Race and Economics." Mm-hmm. Race and Economics. The subtitle of which is "How Much Can Be Blamed on Discrimination?" If you've not read that book yet, I highly recommend it uh, to you, Dr. Walter Williams. Race and Economics. Well, in chapter six of that book, a chapter that he entitled Racial Terminology and Confusion, an apt title if I've ever heard one, uh, Williams quoted the 18th century philosopher and social reformer by the name of Jeremy Bentham. Uh, Bentham wrote a book entitled On Evidence. And in chapter six of his book, Williams quotes Bentham. Who said this he said error is never so difficult to be destroyed as when it has roots in language mm. error is never so difficult to be destroyed as when it has roots in language yeah and i've never heard a more truer statement considering right. the milieu that we're in the midst of today especially in america if not around the world but particularly in america I've never heard a more truer statement than Bentham's uh, words. And the reason I think Bentham's words ring so true today, getting back to my point about language, is that what we're hearing today is the language of social justice, of critical race theory, of liberation theology, of Mm -hmm. cultural Marxism Mm -hmm. being proffered and posited within the evangelical church as a missiological mandate. Mm. So unless we understand the language, the words, the definitions that are being used, we're going to get lost in all the smoke of social justice, critical race theory, liberation theology, and cultural Marxism, which really is, to a large extent, not exclusively, but to a large extent, is driving a lot of the narrative
0: yeah.
1: around racial reconciliation in evangelical church. And, and we need to be sensitive and aware and discerning about language, yeah. because language that is devoid of context is gibberish. <laughs> if you don't have context around what you're hearing it has no meaning yeah you know and, and words without definition are useless
0: yeah so you
1: know? so what's yeah. happening today is that you have a lot of terms being thrown around but nobody's defining them they're, mm-hmm. they're not defining what they mean by using the terms mm-hmm. you know so that's that's platform that's starting point number 1 that's cornerstone number 1 I, it's man, fundamental I, to understand the language
0: first I, I i totally agree i think anytime you're engaged in um, dialogue and conversation and hearing um the speech from a particular um, worldview be it one that 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 apes Christianity like Mormonism uh you know be it some, some other uh, heterodoxy uh especially uh you need to define terms because often the same terminologies will be used and they have absolutely different meanings Uh, attached to them. And so uh, I think I think that's critical, especially for the believer when when the terms that are being used are akin to something that we we deem important to our faith, like justification, Mm -hmm. uh, like the word justice. And then you've you've spent a lot of time uh, on our podcast, on this podcast for, uh, I don't know, five, six months now, defining terms, explaining. So those who've been Mm -hmm. with us Understand when when you talk about uh, socialist Marxism, when you talk about critical race theory, you 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 and I spent some time having dialogue about the meanings of those terms, what that means and and why it's important to make distinctions uh, about them when talking about about the issues uh, around around race I put that in air quotes around right. ethnicity, uh, ethnicity um, you know, as well. And so I, th- I think it's important to to settle the issue. But I, I just I, I kind of want to ask you a question, man. I know you got a lot of content to run through and I know we're going to we're going to tackle this together. But I'm just curious because we haven't we have not had a chance to really talk uh, about this. You and I, you know, we you, you, you send me a topic and, and like like you, I got. A lot of folks who were interested in hearing mm-hmm. us chop this up, emails, mm-hmm. inboxes, text messages, mm-hmm. yep. and 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 the like. And I know you you're 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 on the main streets of Twitter, and so you just it's it's kind of exploding for you in that and in that space as well. And so I, I'm just curious. I know you and I have not talked. I'm I'm curious. Like, what what how did this unfold for you? How did you begin hearing about it? Because mm-hmm. what 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 came out of the MLK 50? Uh, For me, and I'll briefly just just say, man, just just kind of as I began to kind of witness some of the tweets and then began listening to some of the content, I I kind of had a visceral response, like like somebody had punched me in my stomach uh, as as I'm hearing men whom I respect, uh, who who I've learned from begin to articulate some things that sounded contrary uh, to the gospel central message that I've known them to, 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 to express. And so I'm just curious where you were, what you heard, how this kind of transpired for for you.
1: Yeah. So I was actually streaming. I had a couple opportunities during the week to stream some of the uh, conference content live. Uh, and I do appreciate uh, ERLC, making the conference available via live streaming to those of us who weren't able to attend, um, in person. So my immediate access to the conference was live streaming it for myself while I was at work. Mm-hmm. And I heard a couple speakers, uh, you know, speak, make some remarks. I tuned into a Q and a panel, mm-hmm. which was late in the afternoon on day one of the conference. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then on day two of the conference, uh, I was able to tune into listen to a couple more speakers, Uh, uh, You know, offer their remarks as well And a couple things that stood out with me Number one is that at the conclusion of the conference I was just asking myself And it just occurred to me that This veneration of a human being Like Dr. Martin Luther King And I don't say this to be personally disparaging To him or his legacy But there are people who are treating Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. as if he died on Golgotha (laughs) and not at the Lorraine Motel in Memphis. Mm. I don't say that to be facetious. But here's a man who is looked upon as an icon of moral authority. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not going to get into his personal life or anything like that, but the fallacy here, as I see it, is that the way people I don't want to go as far as saying worship him, but there are folks who at a minimum idolize this man mm-hmm. as a moral figure to be looked upon and exampled
0: mm-hmm.
1: which tells me that what we're looking for sadly is moralism we're looking for not regeneration we're looking for moralism we're looking for people who behave in our eyes well mm-hmm. that they behave well and king is viewed as one of those figures so that's one that one thing that came out of the conference conference for me the concerning mm-hmm. degree to which martin luther king is looked upon as the example of virtue mm-hmm. in this country of of behavioral virtue and, and the character traits to which we should aspire to model. And I'm going to get back to that in a second. But number two, for me, there was a particular speaker on the second day. Mm. I'm not going to name names. I'm going to try my best not to name names in this episode. But those of you who were at the conference or who streamed the conference, you'll know who said this. Mm-hmm. But he made the remark, the exhortation to specifically to white pastors. Mm -hmm. Quote unquote, white pastors, we have got to say something, he said. Right, right. When I said that, and this is when I heard, when I saw him, because I saw him via live stream say this. So I not only heard it, I saw him say this. At the moment he said that, I literally closed my web browser. Mm hmm because I couldn't take any more of it. And I'm thinking to myself, pastor blankety blank. Mm-hmm. What more do you want these white pastors, pastors to say than what Jesus has already said? Mm-hmm. What more can they say? Right. So after hearing that, I I, I was parked in first John. Mm hmm. and I found it to tell you the truth. I found it a little bit condescending to hear this pastor say this Mm
0: -hmm.
1: because the guilt, the white guilt tripping has got to stop. Right. Now I attended several weeks ago, a similar conference at a small church near where I live, where I used to actually be a member. I'm not going to name the church, but they held a racial reconciliation conference one Saturday morning. And the white guilt was oozing like sap from a tree. It's the same thing. I heard the MLK 50 conference. So I'm asking myself, well, what, what in the world can these pastors po- possibly go back to, to tell their congregations that Jesus hasn't already said. And. If you're hearing a little frustration in my voice, I'm just keeping it real with you who are listening, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because it was frustrating to hear that. Um, it's it's kind of what I call "sin by proxy." Is it, is 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 a is sort of the 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 phrase that I've coined for this whole movement that wants every white person to feel guilty. For sins that they themselves in actuality haven't committed against any person in particular, but whose ancestors may or may not have participated in the sin of slavery, bigotry, ethnic discrimination, and things of that nature. So I call it sin by proxy. Because by definition, proxy is a person who acts in the place of another. Right. So th- it's like white people who exist today. There's a certain group of people who apply the sins of their ancestors to them. Instead, in place of their ancestors who may have actually sinned. We don't know because they're ancestors. Mm hmm. So they're not here to attest for themselves whether or not they actually facilitated precipitated the sin of slavery, peonage, things like that, but since you look like them, right. since you're their you know you're their descendants, we're going to apply their sin to you. we're going to up- impart their sin to you by proxy. so it's sin by proxy, it's guilt by proxy and that's i can't even begin to say how unbiblical that is
0: right i want to go back to i want to go back to something that you said uh in two respects the first part was when you talked about um the, the pastor I, the 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 particular pastor you're talking about uh the particular message that you're talking about i i watched that in its entirety <clears throat> and i was excuse me i was i was really uh, disheartened i was i was looking for um things to really hang a hat on to say uh this this is what's being asked uh this is the action necessary to 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 take um and and, and what I recognized was there was this this kind of this kind of while while this particular speaker, and I, I'm gonna I'm gonna follow you. I'm the wingman, so I'm gonna I'm gonna am <laughs> gonna follow your lead and not name names. As it, difficult as that is for me to do, um, but but I'm but I'm you know it, the the his commentaries began with you know when you're in this space and place you 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 have a tendency to create a lot of uh, generalizations. Um, and and he started out by saying, you know, I'm, I, my intent is not to do that. I'm going to be uh, specific. And he's talked about his own congregation and some of the mm-hmm. issues that were dealt with and addressed within his own congregation. And, and again, by proxy, as he spoke about his own congregation, he inferred that onto the rest of those Who looked like his congregation. Mm -hmm. And so and and, and what he did is he as he began to kind of unpack that whole whole episode or, or his 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 commentary is by proxy, everyone else fell into the same categories as 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 those who were his parishioners. Right. All of all of that said, it was interesting because most of what he shared about them was was, was simply expressions of maybe a lack of knowledge or ignorance. Mm-hmm. But if if you didn't have the theological acumen background, and again, mm-hmm. if you listen to what he shared, uh, to know about Augustine and some of the other mm-hmm. folks that were reformers who who mm-hmm. who may have been a part of the part of Africa or had come out mm-hmm. of that space or the contributions, you you were deemed racist. Right. Now the, the, now the word wasn't used but man was it heavily yeah. heavily implied. Yeah. And, and and you you were seen as as wrong-headed, wrong-thinking, at least ignorant. Uh and since you were ignorant, he was now in a position to tell you and right. explain to you how right. you should be doing
1: things. Right. Yeah, like I said before, it was it was very condescending. Absolutely. Uh, it was very condescending the tone uh you know, it was, that's the only way I can describe it. It was just a very condescending delivery uh, of a message there. And, you know, and vir- I really need, yes, right. It's very divisive. And I think that's the common themes that I'm seeing uh, in the days after the conference ended, because if, if you've been on social media at all, mm-hmm. you've seen evident blatant evidence of how divisive Mm-hmm. People are viewing this conference. Uh, if I had to put a percentage on it, I would probably have to say 70, 30, 70 uh, percent of the people, the the commentary that I'm seeing, the responses I'm seeing view this conference as not productive uh, towards the issue that it was attempting to address. And I think, Verge on that point, I want to go back to something you said. You made a brilliant point earlier when we were talking about language and how discernment in language is so important because someone can use the same word. And you mentioned justice. Mm-hmm. Someone can use the word justice, but not mean the same thing. Absolutely. That you're meaning. And it's, it's, uh, it's like you said, though, you and I haven't talked, but when you made that point, it's as if you were looking at my notes <laughs> that I made because I, you know, a great example of that is this, you know, the Quran talks about justice as well. The Quran. In Surah 16, verse 90. In Surah 16, verse 90 of the Quran, it says this. It says, Allah commands you to uphold justice and to do good to others and to give to the relatives. Now that's from the Quran. Quran six Surah 16, 90. 16, verse 90. Allah commands you to uphold justice and to do good to others and to give to the relatives. Mm -hmm. Now, to your point earlier, we got the same word justice. Mm -hmm. One source is the Quran. And, but you and I have been dealing with this subject from the standpoint of what the Bible says, right? Now, my point in bringing up the fact that justice is also dealt with in the Quran is that if justice, okay, if justice, that is the outward manifestation of equity and fairness to a society, regardless of ethnicity or any other distinguishing characteristics or factors, if that is all that matters, then why not just follow what the Quran says? There you go. Why not just do it as a moral goal? Mm-hmm. Why not hold the Quran up equal to what the Bible says about it? I mean, this verse from the Quran is clearly an example that the Bible isn't unique in calling for justice. So why not just follow the Quran? Mm. You see, but you 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 cannot have a concept of injustice or justice apart from an objective standard from which those terms must be defined. The point I'm making here is this, is that the gospel not only demands justice as fruit, it also demands righteousness as a root. Mm. So you cannot say, you cannot equate what the Quran says about justice. If, if, if justice in and of itself were ultimately the goal, But biblically speaking, biblical justice is not the end goal. It's not the end goal. I want to quote C.S. Lewis here real quick. C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity said this. He says, if Christianity makes no improvements in a man's outward actions, if he continues to be just as snobbish or spiritual or envious or ambitious as he was before, then I think we must suspect that his conversion was largely imaginary. Mm. And the reason I quote that is because Biblical justice not only deals or has to do with the outward manifestation of that equity and fairness. Biblical justice is a fruit of something else. Namely, heart regeneration, Mm. heart transformation, and to put it more succinctly, salvation. Mm. Biblical justice is a fruit of salvation. Islamic justice in the sense is just something you can go out and do as a good deed, Mm -hmm. as moralism, you see. But the reason you and I are talking about this matter right now is reflected in Psalm 106 3. Psalm 106 3 says this it says, How blessed are those who keep justice, who practice righteousness at all time. You see how God's word relates justice with righteousness. Mm-hmm. And not just justice as an act. It says, how blessed are those who keep justice, who practice righteousness at all times. So God equates righteousness and justice as the same thing. Mm-hmm. But intrinsic with that verse. Is that the, the it is the righteous who practice justice, justice, the unrighteous do not. Now, how does one become righteous, Verge? That's the question.
0: <laughs> There's only one way,
1: only one way. There's only one way. Mm -hmm. But see, here we are. We're acting as if we've totally forgotten what the Bible says about this world being in the power of the evil one. We're acting as if this world is in the power of the holy one. Now, we know that the Lord is ultimately sovereign over everything, including the degree to which this world is in the power of the evil one. But here we are pretending as if we're expecting unrighteous people to act righteously Mm -hmm. with respect to justice. Now you and I verge we're redeemed. We're saved. We're among the elect, but even we don't practice righteousness all the time. Mm -hmm. And the reason we're having this conversation now is because we got people out there who expect other people to practice righteousness all the time. And that's given our sin nature, Is an impossibility. Right. And on top of that, here we are expecting people to who are alive today to be held to account for the sins of generations past. Mm -hmm. Now that when I see that in a Christian, that makes me angry. Absolutely. Absolutely. That makes me righteously indignant because I have not seen a more ridiculous example of how should I call this, uh, you know, behavioral eisegesis, (laughs) you know, or, or soteriological eisegesis
0: Mm -hmm.
1: or, um, you know, redemptive uh, or uh, uh, reparative eisegesis. I've never seen anything like it in my life where someone can be so arrogant To, on the one hand, confess, yeah, my sins were nailed at the cross, all right, of them. Right. But yours weren't. Right. Now, you got, you, you, nope. Jesus may have paid it all with an asterisk. It's like when you get to the crucifixion in the gospels, you got to read the bottom of the page because there's some fine print down there. hmm That doesn't apply to you. So you still owe me. Like I said, sin by proxy. You still owe me because the cross didn't cover that. Right. But see, at this point, I want to bring this sinful attitude front and center by quoting a gentleman who I've come to highly respect the more I've read about him. His name is Jupiter Hammond. Hmm. Jupiter Hammond. If you're not familiar with him was born in the early seventeen hundreds right around seventeen eleven or so, and there's uh some uh disagreement about when he he may have died I've seen the year eighteen o six but Jupiter Hammond literally literally took every breath of his existence on this earth as a slave from the moment he was born to the moment he died. Jupiter Hammond never breathed a breath of free air never in his life Hmm. but you know what jupiter hammond was a christian and jupiter hammond was the first black person on america's soil to have his literature published his poetry published this was an uneducated man who lived a slave all of his life ended up being the first man to ever have a work of writing published and he was a christian And I want to read you something that Jupiter Hammond wrote in an address that was entitled Address to the Negroes of the State of New York. He gave this address in 1797, Uh, and it's a rather lengthy quote, so I need you to bear with me, verge listeners, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. if you'll bear with me. But I'm I'm reading this quote from uh, Mr. Hammond to drive home the absurdity of those who would dare get on their high horse and hold a, an, an entire ethnic group guilty of sins that they, in actuality, never committed. Hammond said this in that address. He said, now, I acknowledge that liberty is a great thing and worth seeking for if we can get it honestly and by our good conduct, prevail on our masters to set us free. Though for my own part, I do not wish to be free. Yet I should be glad if others, especially the young Negroes, were to be free. For many of us who are grown-up slaves and have always had masters to take care of us should hardly know how to take care of ourselves, and it may be more for our own comfort to remain as we are. That liberty is a great thing we may know from our own feelings, And we may likewise judge so from the conduct of the white people in the late war, how much money has been spent and how many lives has been lost to defend their liberty. I must say that I have hoped that God would open their eyes when they're so much engaged for liberty to think of the state of the poor blacks and to pity us. He has done it in some measure and has raised us up many friends for which we have reason to be thankful and to hope in his mercy. What may be done further, he alone knows. For God, for, for known unto God are all his ways from the beginning. But this, my dear brethren, is by no means the greatest thing we have to be concerned about. Getting our liberty in this world is nothing to having the liberty of the children of God. Now the Bible tells us that we are all by nature sinners, that we are slaves to sin and Satan and that unless we are converted or born again, we must be miserable forever. Christ says, except the man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And all that do not see the kingdom of God must be in the kingdom of darkness.
0: That's gospel.
1: That's gospel from a a man who lived to be almost 100 years old and spent every heartbeat of his life as someone else's property. This is Hammond. He said, but my dear brethren, the freedom, physical freedom, okay, deliverance from slavery is by no means the greatest thing we have to be concerned about. Getting our liberty in this world is nothing to having the liberty of the children of God. Mm. Listen, Hammond was a better theologian than most theologians I know today who are preaching this social gospel gibberish. (laughs) Hammond understood that even in his enslavement, the more important thing that he had achieved, he had experienced salvation in Christ and that his eternal destiny was set. He was going to heaven. And we have people today preaching uh, uh, deliverance from the white man, deliverance from uh, uh, institutional oppression and structural oppression. As if that were the gospel in its entirety. Here's the, that's, it, that's some James Cole stuff right there. It is.
0: It is. Here's the crazy part, man. As I began to listen to different speakers and poets and other leaders and, and singers and all the different uh, people that they had on the stage, you would have thought, if you just closed your eyes and listened, that we were actually... Back in in Mr. Jupiter's day. Yep. As opposed to a, a modern day where those who were ethnically black on the platform were very free to say whatever they said to the applause of everyone there. Yeah. I I mean the amen corner was was stout, man, in that place. Yeah, it was deep. And it was deep, man. Uh I there were there were people in the audience. I'm thinking, did somebody hand them a microphone? Cause they could be here, heard, amening even louder than the person who was on platform. Yeah. And 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 on and on microphone. I I, I was really caught by um the fact that there were a lot of speakers who were saying things that that they that they believed uh to be avant-garde and what i mean is is this that you know the the particular uh, speaker we were talking about earlier uh who you know who who made the claim he said you know I, i'm i'm not going to get fired for uh for for what i'm about to say you know but 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 you might you know right now man we 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 live in a cultural environment where if if you're if you're elevating the the social justice warrior narrative, um, the, the the James Cone narrative, the 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 race critical theory narrative of of black oppression in a in a current day uh, a setup, you're you're going to be applauded. I mean, none of what they said was was difficult for mm-hmm. them mm-hmm. to say, and so to mm-hmm. to pretend as if it was hard to say. Uh, was was fo- was really, really foolish. I, you know, I I was just I was struck by by that piece. I want to go back to something you had mentioned earlier when when this person had had made uh, the statement to to white mm-hmm. evangelical pastors. And he said, quote, unquote, say something. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, say something about what I know. Right. What say say say? say, What what do you? And and as I listened to other speakers and began to listen to the issues of the day that they pointed to, I was imagining perhaps he meant say something with the when Trayvon Martin did his thing. I'm thinking if if you really unpack the narrative of of what some of these things that we're supposed to say something Mm -hmm. about, and you maintain a care or concern about that, which is true, the something you're going to say may not be to the benefit of those right. who are holding right. to social justice. Yep. And and that's going to be incredibly problematic for them. I just, there were so many pieces of, of that. And you, you, I think you teed it up so well, just condescending, uh, uh, Speech and and divisive, divisive in that why would you, if you're declaring truth from the platform, truth would always be equally applicable to to someone who is white as well as to someone who is black or brown or, it's irrelevant. The truth, the, the say something. If it's right. really what we need to say, everyone should be saying because it's beholden to biblical truth, right. and we all should be experiencing it right.
1: equally. Brilliant verse. I couldn't have said it any better. I mean, you're absolutely right. I tell you what, listening to that conference, man, and streaming it, the, the pieces that I was able to to uh, to to observe, it's you. You're absolutely right. It's like, man, it's a wonder we didn't walk out of there singing. You know, nobody knows <laughs> the trouble I see. <laughs> nobody knows my sorrow right i mean seriously you know so i'm like but but you're right and i know exactly who you're talking about who won't get fired but i want to say to that that particular pastor you know you may not get fired but let me let you in on a little piece of information (laughs) it's not white people who call me coon
0: bruh okay now i'm standing up right now like i went from sitting down to standing up okay so i'm i'm the amen corner today because let me tell you something that's real and here was the here was the thing that was absent during the entire conference now i'm getting hyped up right
1: get hype bro (laughs) it's our podcast man you can get hype
0: there was no instruction for the racist attitudes of those with additional melanin in their skin Mm -hmm. Not mm-hmm. not a bit of it. They were free, they were exempt yep. from any culpability in in yep. anything divisive with regard to race in the body of Christ.
1: Yep. yep. Which is in itself racist. Absolutely. Because who's going to who's going to interrupt a darker melanin speaker for fear of being perceived as what? racist racist so they were up there pretty much freestyling (laughs) but but the thing that gets me to your point about the, the the gospel being true objectively for everybody is you know the question i have is how can we how can we for whom the gospel was sufficient and necessary and what i mean by we i mean everybody who was at that conference How can those or how can they for whom the gospel was sufficient and Mm -hmm. necessary to change Mm -hmm. them? How can they expect something other than the gospel to change someone else? Mm -hmm. You see, it's Mm -hmm. as if they're preaching two gospels. Mm -hmm. They're preaching the gospel of spiritual transformation. But then there's another gospel now that we need to preach for societal transformation.
0: Right, right. Right. So it's, they're
1: taking a stroke. Go ahead, Verge. No, it it
0: it reminds me, brother, of of Matthew chapter eighteen. Um I know you know where, where I'm gonna go. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna read in verse twenty-three and uh and walk through this because this is what you just said reminds me of this this particular section of Scripture uh, where it says, Therefore, Jesus is speaking, the kingdom of heaven uh, may be compared to a king who wishes to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Verse 25. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity, the master of the servant released him and forgave him the debt. Verse 28. But when the same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a 100 denarii and seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. But he refused and he went out and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. Verse 31, when his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. When his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you the debt because you pleaded with me and you should not have and you should and 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 should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I've had mercy on you. Verse 34 and his and the anger of it is and his master delivered him to the jailers and in his anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all the debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart.
1: <laughs>
0: Go ahead, Verge. Bruh, I don't know. I, I don't know that 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 the scripture could be any right. more clear.
1: See, th- than that's that. mic drop. That's mic drop stuff right there. <laughs> I don't
0: that's know mic drop the, stuff right there. I don't know that the script can the scripture be any more clear? Yeah.
1: See, this is, this has been my point for the longest, for months. It's, it's as if the gospel is not enough for some people. Yeah, you've been it's, saying this It's that. as if the gospel is not enough. You know, listen, what people need to be reminded of that, you know, when we think about the sovereignty of God, right, we think about the sovereignty of God in the sense that, yeah, we'll say we have a sort of mental acidity to the fact that God is in control. We'll say that with our mouths, but we don't really believe that. Mm-hmm. Because if we really did believe it, we would also attest and accept the fact that God's sovereignty also comes to play with respect to the sin people commit. He's sovereign over our sin as well. He's not just sovereign over uh, rainbows, rainbows and unicorn type right. stuff. Right. He's sovereign over the sin that, that is committed uh, as well by, by individuals uh, and then uh, aggregately as a, as a society. Um if I can, Virg, I want to read one more quote, man. I think this is very important in the context of what we're talking about
0: mm-hmm. here
1: today with respect to what the gospel has to say about this whole social justice, racial reconciliation thing. Mm-hmm. I want to quote Martin Lloyd-Jones, uh, the doctor, uh, as they called him. <laughs> uh, uh, Lloyd-Jones, um, in his book, uh, Preaching and Preachers, uh, said this. you know, Lloyd- Lloyd-Jones was, had to deal with the same issue back in his day. Uh, He said this. He says the people, they say, are interested in politics. They are interested in social conditions. They are interested in the various injustices from which people suffer in various parts of the world. So they argue if you really want to influence people in the Christian direction, you must not only talk politics and deal with the social conditions in speech. You must take an active part in them. But I have no hesitation in asserting that what was largely responsible for emptying the churches in Great Britain was that quote-unquote social gospel preaching. It was more responsible for doing so than anything else. This concern about the social and political conditions and about the happiness of the individual and so on has always been dealt with most effectively when you have had reformation and revival and true preaching in the Christian church. My argument is that when When the church performs her primary task, these other things invariably result from it. Mm -hmm. Lloyd-Jones got it. Mm -hmm. When you preach the gospel, people's hearts change, and as a result, society changes. Have we not learned that you cannot legislate behavior change? Mm You cannot legislate it. What more laws can we put on the books that aren't already there? The laws don't change hearts. Even when a law is on the books, you are still dependent on the individual heart attitude of the person to obey the law. Mm -hmm. I just don't know, know what else, like you just asked. I don't know what else the gospel needs to say. Yeah. The gospel is just not enough for some people Mm-mm. and we need to be, we, we need to be uh, ready to accept the fact that to Lord Jones point, I don't care how much you preach the gospel. God and his sovereignty has ordained that There are going to be certain people who are not going to believe it. I don't care how often you preach the gospel. There will always be unbelievers
0: mm-hmm.
1: and unbelievers sin Absolutely. by habit. And we need to be ready for that. Absolutely. Absolutely. I I, I wanted to
0: kind of touch. It with something you said earlier uh, when we were talking about this particular kind of speaker and what was kind of unpacked with that. It seemed to me that each speaker, as they kind of pro- progressed, got more and more emboldened uh, to say some of the most outlandish Kind of things and mm-hmm. lay, and lay charges uh, across the across the board mm-hmm. on a particular race uh, of people you had mentioned that out coming out of the conference uh, you you witnessed more division and divisiveness uh, as a result of what kind of took place uh, than than was intended to i I don't I, I'm still trying to wrap my mind around what what the what the original intent uh of, of those who yeah. and i and I, of those who who put this thing together uh, yeah. actually was and and, and yeah. i and and I think there could have been there could have been some redemptive kind of uh unifying kind of things that took place that just was not at all the case and so my my question to you man is as what do you you mentioned kind of hey i'm i'm this is kind of what i'm seeing coming out of it you know what what kinds of things are you seeing how what what do you what do you see as the impact and maybe if you know even speak to if you even know what 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 was the end what were they thinking i mean yeah, i just I gotta say it that i way. hate to disappoint
1: you verse but i have no clue mm-hmm. i have no clue what the goal was i have no clue what the objective was i mean it's like as i observe on social media the like you just said they it just seem they seem to get more emboldened as the conference mm-hmm. went on mm-hmm. and i as i observe in light of the the you know, subsequent to the, the conference wrapping up, you know, as I observe on social media, the, 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 the sort of accusatory, like I said, sin by proxy diatribes mm. by many of these social justice Christians, you know, I was reminded of that old hymn, amazing grace, mm. but how these social justice Christians seem to no longer believe that God's grace is amazing or that every, and that everyone else is a wretch except them. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> They're pointing the finger at everybody else. Yeah. Except them. Yeah. Yeah. So, so so, so it's just evidence that to me anyway, the symbolism is that no, no, God's grace is not amazing enough for, to forgive sins of, of centuries ago. Right. You guys are the riches. Right. You know, we're, we're, we're good. On, we're good on my
0: end. In fact, in fact, the speaker that you alluded to before kind of came out of that, came out of his talk. He, you know, he said, he said, I, I, I don't have white guilt. You know, I'm, I'm good. I don't I don't have it. I don't I don't you know, but but at the same time, unleashed uh, that by to the point you made by proxy on on everyone else. They had yeah. they had an obligation, you know, that that that, that he had checked the box and, and kind of done done his deal. He's got certain people around him. He had a number of different African-American pastors with whom he some he agreed, some he didn't, you know, and and, and how now you needed to do what he was doing. Uh, in order to to rectify uh, the, the the situation that that he was that he was uh, describing uh, from the platform, here's some things you need to do. You need to get with these with these pastors, and I'm saying what are these pastors going to say that the word of God isn't already saying.
1: Bingo! Exactly. That's exactly what, I'm, what I've been saying. The gospel is not enough for them. The gospel is just not enough. You know, uh, it's it's, it's it, if 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 Christ were to hold me if Christ were to hold me to the same standard of righteousness to which many social justice Christians seem to be holding other people. Yeah. I would have absolutely no hope of forgiveness for the sins I've committed against him. Absolutely. But, but I want to add to that. Even so though, at least they would be actual sins that I've committed <laughs> and not this <laughs> unbiblical Notion of sin by proxy right. being proffered by these certain woke social justice Christians. out there. Yeah, at absolutely. least at least I would be condemned by Christ for actual sins.
0: Absolutely. That I absolutely. committed
1: against him, not these virtual or vicarious or proxy sins right. that are being proffered out there by some of these social justice Christians.
0: Well, Daryl, I've I've got a couple of things, man, that that I, I kind of want to ask you coming mm-hmm. out of this whole whole process, man, mm-hmm. and and <clears throat> we've kind of we've where we've been, we've talked a little bit about some of the some of the things that that transpired, and 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 I'm I'm by no means is this a is this a because I know when I know when you got on you you got a desk full of notes and different things, and 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 we uh, what I don't want to do is cut off our conversation. I want us to keep going, <clears throat> but I kind of want to I kind of want to want to move the page. Far. Forward and just kind of ask you in your mind, like those of us who, who, who are beholden to a biblical anthropology,
1: mm-hmm.
0: a, a, a biblical harmadiology, a biblical so, soteriology, mm-hmm. who are beholden to the clarity, the crystal clarity of the unperverted gospel. This is not a gospel. And mm-hmm. we're talking about the the, the the once for all delivered to the saints gospel. Mm-hmm. And and so what man what what should what should we be doing? How should we be cause I, I think there's a lot of things that we that we need to do, but I definitely want to think through this with you. I want to hear your heart on this. Like what 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 kinds of things because I, I know coming out of this bro, I was my my heart just said, for I think on on Friday in particular as as all the tweets were flooding out and I had gone through uh, quite a bit of the content of what had transpired already and was trying to it it caused me then to go backwards and look at what had been said previous to the conference because my thought is this this episode this experience this conference can't be the first time these people have articulated these positions and unfortunately as I went through the library of stuff that's out there. I recognize this is where they've been all along. And what I'd done is I'd kind of taken my eye off of the ball, so to speak, mm-hmm. as I heard a couple of comments initially uh, by a few of the few of the leaders of the comment. I thought, you know, that's garbage. I'm going to walk away from listening to that person for a while and, you know, maybe circle back only to come back and find things had gone not from bad to something manageable, but from bad to worse. And so I, I've said a lot. I want to kind of hear your thoughts on kind of how, how do we navigate this? What do we do? How do we put this thing back together again? Yeah,
1: well, This may sound rather simplistic to a lot of people, but I don't mean that to be. a matter of fact, I think pro- part of the problem that we're facing today in the church as it relates to this whole issue is that we have so complicated the gospel uh, that nobody even knows what the gospel is anymore. Mm. Uh you know, but you know, again, what's ringing in my mind and what's been ringing in my mind over the entire weekend into this Monday, as we record this episode is the question that that one pastor posed to those white pastors. I just cannot get that out of my head. Mm. When he, when he said to them, white pastors, we have to say something mm-hmm. that is just really ringing in my head like a bell. Mm-hmm. So, you know, since then I've been stuck on first John and okay. to your point, uh, Verse, to your point, you know, how do we move this forward? Well, we move forward by going back. (laughs) We move forward by going backward. I love this epistle of First John and how John opened this epistle in verse 1. He said what was from the beginning. Mm. What was from the beginning. I'm reminding you, John is saying, of what we've been telling, what I've been telling you from the beginning. What we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life—that's how we move this forward. We go back to the beginning, to what the gospel is and who the gospel is about. Verse two and First John chapter one, John continues, and the life was manifested, and we have seen and testify and proclaim. Does that sound like an evangel to you, Virg? Mm-hmm, that sounds mm-hmm. like an evangel to me. Mm-hmm, that sounds like the gospel to me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And the life was manifested and we have seen and testify and proclaimed to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested to us. So the answer to that question, why pastors, we have to go and we have to say something. Well, there, there it is right there. First John chapter one, verse two, go back and proclaim. Go back and, and testify. Go back and manifest what you have heard, what you have seen, what was from the beginning. Go back and do that. That's what you do. Mm-hmm. To, to answer your question, Virgil, to move this forward, we go backwards. Is It's as if I've, I've said this a hundred times. Christ did not come to save society. He came to save sinners. Mm-hmm. But we don't want to accept that we We're yeah. trying to create this new heaven on earth when in second peter three thirteen the gospel says that the people of Christ ought to be looking for a new heaven mm-hmm. and a new earth mm-hmm. where righteousness dwells
0: yeah man that 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 verse reminds me of of Paul as he's writing to the Corinthian church about all the social ills and challenges and 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 difficulties that they're having as a church he writes you know fourteen Chapters worth of worth of instruction and correction and rebuke and all of that, and in chapter fifteen, verse three, he does exactly what you just said. First uh, Corinthians uh, fifteen three. I'm reading out of the out of the ESV, the Elect Standard Version. So I
1: just want you to know that. Bro. <laughs> I know I
0: know I know you're a NASB guy. I thought
1: I'd throw. Yeah, I'm, in. I'm an NASB guy, man. Yeah, yeah. The 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 uh, the, uh, the non-Arminian Standard Bible. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, this this is the elect
0: standard. So let me, let me read out the elect standard. Uh, Paul says this, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scripture, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scripture, and he appeared to Cephas and then to the Twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, and most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James and the apostles, and last of all, as one untimely born, he also appeared to me that 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 that's that's after all of this instruction and all these 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 particulars regarding their unique situation he he goes back to that as he gets ready to close out his letter uh, you know chapter 16 he'll close it out he he, he spends 14 chapters worth of information then says let me let me get you know what let, let's go all the way back let's go all the way back Mm-hmm. to that which is of first importance.
1: First importance he said, you know, uh as we talk about this issue through the gospel as as we all do as we always do with every issue that we tackle on the Just Thinking podcast, I was reminded of um uh Booker T Washington and his uh Atlanta Exposition speech that he gave in 1895 and in that speech uh, Washington said this He said, the laws of changeless justice bind oppressor with oppressed, and close as sin and suffering joined, we march to fate abreast. Mm -hmm. The laws of changeless justice bind oppressor with oppressed, and close as sin and suffering joined, we march to fate abreast. Mm -hmm. What I like about this is that Washington joins. Sin and suffering He says and cl- as close as sin And suffering joined Washington who was a Christian understood That suffering doesn't happen In a vacuum Suffering is not the result of some Societal deformity It is not the, the direct Result of some Institutional or structural Uh Uh p- Uh Standard or 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 policy or 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 law or uh, environment. He understood that suffering is the result of sin, mm. and what I'm seeing that's missing in this entire social justice, racial reconciliation, quote unquote, conversation, is the gospel of heart transformation in Christ. Mm. Absolutely. We must be born again. Come on, man. It's basic gospel 101. Mm -hmm. Booker T. Washington, just like Jupiter Hammond before him, understood the relationship between suffering and sin. You cannot separate the two. And -hmm. because you can't separate the two, you cannot fix a sin problem with a jobs program. (laughs) Okay? Okay. And this is what I heard at the conference at the MLK 50 conference at the Q&A that I uh, streamed uh, live over the Internet. There were people asking for, well, we just need to have the we need to get people to level the playing field. We need jobs. We mm-hmm. need housing. And I was like what I'm hearing. I didn't hear any difference between the MLK 50 conference. And Al Sharpton's National Action Network conference. <laughs> Or Jesse Jackson, Operation Push Conference. Mm-hmm. It sounded the same to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they're absolutely. trying to fix, this is why I bring up Washington. Booker T. Washington, Jupiter Hammond, people like that. They understood the relationship. They understood the dynamic that suffering is a result of sin. Slavery is a result of sin. You must address the sin problem. We must have a biblical, a of justice. Because injustice is the result, the fruit of sin in our heart. Mm -hmm. And Washington understood this. This is why I say you don't fix the, the problem we have to fix, which is a problem we can't fix. Only Christ, through his word, can do this. But the problem we have to fix is the sin problem, because everything else flows out of that. Yeah, yeah. Which is why I say you cannot fix the sin problem with housing. With jobs, with tuition assistance, student loan forgiveness—you cannot fix fix that problem with those things. Yeah, I, I, it was interesting
0: as I, and I, man, I got two thoughts that I wanna that I wanna, I wanna share, and then I wanna get your thoughts on. One is, at the beginning of the conference, I think it was one of those things where, as you listened, it reminded me of of a, of a quote by Charles Spurgeon uh, about the issue of discernment, because the, the when you listen to them share the, uh, about the gospel and even about um, issues of, 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 of our racist past, there were some things that they got right. There were some things that they said that were right in their context. The problem became, and you just alluded to it, when they began to prescribe the cure, it began to get sideways, like, what are you talking about?
1: Right, and, and if exactly. and
0: if and if you're not discerning, uh, I, that's where I think the that the that the uh, the Charles Spurgeon quote comes in, where he says discernment is is knowing the difference between right is not knowing the difference between right and wrong, but it's knowing the difference between right and almost right. Bingo. And there's a lot of the and you you said this from the very beginning uh, of of the podcast and in the in the very first episode you said, you said. Uh, you, you know, you have got to understand definitions,
1: right? You got to understand gotta, the language.
0: You've got to understand the language and know what people mean by what they say. Uh, and if it's unclear, then you're you're, you're liable to to be in a position of, of error with regard to what, you know, what's, what's being said. Here's the other, here's the other thought I had again, with, and I know we're talking about the same, same speaker. One of the things he talked about was in the issue of hiring. He was talking about prescribing, uh, you know, hiring, hiring opportunities. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and one of the things he said was he said, you know, if, if, if I've got a scale of one to 10, and I've got and I've got an Anglo who's applying for a ministry job, and the Anglo, this the, I I I think I I didn't throw I didn't throw the laptop at this point, but I think
1: <laughs>
0: I, I think I think I shut it I think I shut it down.
1: See, see, see you see, had <laughs> you had one of those moments too, like I did. Oh, oh I had I a had few. I closed the browser. I closed yeah, the yeah, whole browser.
0: Yeah, yeah. I had a few of them. He said, if the Anglo on a scale of one to ten, if this if there's an Anglo eight, and an African American seven we'll take the african-american seven okay now if and here's what he said if there's an anglo uh, uh eight and an african-american six we won't take the african-american six because that would subscribe to the tokenism that's a part of our culture we're going to set him up for failure so i i okay bro i my, I, on my head, I use a, when I cut my hair, I use a, you know, I, you know, how some, you know, how some brothers use like a one or a zero, bro. Yeah. I, I use a quadruple zero on my head. Right. But if I had hair on my head, I would have pulled it out at this point. You understand what I'm telling you? <laughs> hey, I'm thinking, okay, so so the so the African American seven was not tokenism, right right Be, and, and, and but but the African American six is tokenism, but the right. seven's not and and furthermore, right. how I, look, my, let me explain something I come from a background <laughs> <laughs> Go I, come ahead, from a, I come from a background and I know you do too come from a background where your parents told you and taught you, baby i don't care what you got to do but you bet because of the situation and the deck is stacked against you you better work twice as hard be twice as good as anybody else you're in competition with with regard to issues you know of of employment or otherwise so for you to think the only thing you're going to get is an african-american seven look you you might need to be looking at I got an African American nine in an the Anglo eight. I'm taking right. the African American nine. I mean that right. that that was never positive as an option right. in the in the thought process. Right. It's already assumed that oh, I know I'm hollering. <laughs>
1: and, and, and yet, and see, they're standing up there like they're authority figures on the subject. Oh bro, I just I lost it. I'm it was, going. It was unbelievable. It was saying, unbelievable. Again, the condescending on high uh you know uh uh fount of all wisdom you know tone of of that one particular speaker especially I could see why you were that close to throwing your laptop oh, bro, I up against the it. wall. I could not believe it's it. unbelievable. But but what see the, the one thing I didn't hear was the gospel. I didn't hear it. Wow
0: absolutely you
1: know? I, I didn't I didn't
0: hear Well, they were light on the Bible to begin with.
1: That's what I'm saying. Uh uh, you know, I didn't hear uh repent and believe the gospel. I didn't hear that at all. Mm-hmm. You see. Mm-hmm. But which is which is interesting because they spent the whole conference accusing other people of committing sins they didn't commit.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Saying that they should feel guilty for sins they didn't commit. Yet you didn't hear anybody call anyone to repent. Mm-hmm. See, you're going to call repent. You can't. See, you only need to repent if you've actually sinned. You don't repent by proxy Mm. because you don't sin by proxy. Right. You sin in actuality. Right. You repent in actuality. You receive forgiveness in actuality. You you'd, you'd have thought you were you'd have thought we were
0: pre-Reformation Catholics, man, needing indulgences to to to, to 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 make sure we we uh, we freed somebody from purgatory.
1: You know where speaking of indulgences, you know where this whole social justice discourse. You know what the end goal is. The end Tell goal is please. reparations. The end goal is reparations. Yeah. The end goal is to get paid. Yeah. That's the angle. Yeah, that That's that,
0: that was that, that was evidenced by a number of the tweets after they had raised, I guess, a million dollars for scholarships for for minorities and and some of the tweets that came out. And again, I'm trying to follow you to, your lead and not name names or anything like that. Uh, but but you know, you know, there was there was a there was a tweet that that went out about you know now now the now the you know white evangelicals are starting to pay back kind of that which they owe as, as, as a part of, of, of what they've done, you know, this is a step in that direction uh, for paying what they owe. So it's, it's part and parcel of absolutely what you said.
1: Right. Exactly. Right. So, you know, but, but that's the end goal. The end goal is reparations. Mm. So don't ever think, don't be not so naive as to think that jobs, housing, you know, leveling the playing field is part and parcel of their, Entire agenda. It's not mm. like I said earlier, you got to read the fine print. The fine print here is reparations. Mm. That's ultimately what this whole discourse is all about. That's yeah. what they want to get to. Um, but Virg, I want to wrap up, man, with one more quote if I can. Sure. From uh I want to quote John Piper uh from his book, Bloodlines. If you Bloodlines, yep, yep. Bloodlines, race, cross, and the Christian. I'm going to quote Piper from his chapter on the power of the gospel and the roots of racial strife. Mm -hmm. The power of the gospel and the roots of racial strife. Piper says this, and I want to end up with this. Racial tensions are rife with pride. The pride of white supremacy, the pride of black power, the pride of intellectual analysis, The pride of anti-intellectual scorn, the pride of loud verbal attack, and the pride of despising silence. The pride that feels secure and the pride that masks fear. Where pride holds sway, there is no hope for the kind of listening and patience and understanding and openness to correction that relationships require. The gospel of Jesus breaks the power of pride by revealing the magnitude and the ugliness and the deadliness of it, even as it provides deliverance from it. The gospel makes plain that I am so helplessly sinful and my debt before God was so huge that my salvation required the death of the son of God in my place. Yes. And that's what I, that's what what I'm not seeing here. It's like I, said earlier with regard to the amazing grace Mm -hmm. everybody thinks everybody else is a wretch except them yeah except them yeah the gospel is a gospel of being born again and as people's hearts are changed as they come to faith in christ and his holy spirit sanctifies them along that journey along that walk and they obey christ they obey the gospel The society will benefit. History is replete with examples of how Christianity has benefited society. But it is only as we obey the gospel, you hear the gospel, God imparts his Holy Spirit to you so that you believe the gospel and that you yield to it, you submit to it, and you obey it. That is how a society benefits and and realizes real, lasting, substantive change for the better. Mm. Not in the sense that, not in the just behavioral modification sense, Mm -hmm. but in real internal heart regeneration. That is how society changes. Absolutely. And it's that gospel that we need to get back to.
0: Absolutely man I love what you did there I, the fact that again we <clears throat> there was so much content man and you could have you know taken each person's tweet and quote and everything line by line and we didn't we didn't do much of that tonight but but we, I, I I love how we begin and end on every single podcast we start and end with a scripture and the gospel amen uh, and amen. And, its, and its centrality to 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 every aspect of of the human condition of life uh, and life to the full, and so man, I'm thankful for that. Uh, again, another great episode. I'm I'm I'll wrap up here and just uh, encourage you all to to share this particular episode uh, with friends, with loved ones, uh, with those who care. I love the fact that a we have this platform, man, that I can be here with you that we can have this kind of conversation dialogue uh, and then put it out for others to uh, to review consider uh, and then and then wrestle with as as a result and uh, again on, on behalf of myself Daryl Harrison I'm just again thankful for the platform our our, our boy Dwayne appreciate you man as well and uh, looking forward to the next time we connect and until then God bless you
1: Thank you for tuning in to Just Thinking, a
0: podcast brought to you by The Bar Podcast Network. You can find all of Just Thinking episodes
1: at www.thebarpodcast.com. Tune in next week to another edition of Just Thinking. And remember, let's think.